It is 12 days until the elections, and the candidates work hard to get their voice heard. They go to social events to shake hands, to speak to people, but not all of them are extroverts, and some shine much better by doing their job or through the podcast. My guest today is Jesse Woodward, who is running for the second time for office. After serving in different leadership roles in the community, he feels that by being a council member, he can achieve much more in helping the city get ready for climate risks. Let's get to know him. Hi, Jesse. So it's your second time running for office. Why did you run last time and why are you running today? Sure. I ran in 2018 because I really wanted to be able to work for my community in a different way, a more concrete way. I had done many years of community development work and running the farmer's markets and doing some volunteer work and that kind of thing around town. And I really felt like I wanted it to be more um, concrete and direct. And mm-hmm. so I ran in 2018 and primarily I was running because I really wanted to work to get Nelson more prepared for climate change. Right. And so I think there were four of us at that time that were, that was all of our message and we got in under yes. that mandate. And I think we, we worked quite hard over the last four years to develop a bunch of pieces and a, a policy actions that are getting Nelson ready to prepare for climate change. I feel like this and you're time talking around, about the, the, the Nelson next, right? I'm talking about, yeah, Nelson next climate action plan. We did the e-bike financing program. Mm-hmm. We did wildfire mitigation work above Nelson. Mm-hmm. We got a, the city emergency operations center in the basement of city hall up and running. We hired an emergency management coordinator. All that put together, I think places Nelson in a better situation than we were four or five years ago. And this time I want to run again because th- there's still more work to do there. There's, I think in the last four or five years, we've all seen just how serious and intense climate change is presenting itself. And we still are, the city still has a lot of work to do to get ready for that. I think primarily it's, I want to try to get us having a more holistic response to storms and wildfire, flooding. So we're not just lurching from one situation to the next. We actually have a holistic response with a proper budget to deal with these things. Holistic, you mean inclusive? What do you mean holistic response? So it would be that our actions are informed by Nelson Next, how we're moving forward. Really good coordination between our emergency operations center and the RDCK operations center, which is already there. But just strengthening those bonds, try, trying to get a better view on everything as a regional issue, because mm-hmm. Nelson could be very prepared for climate change, but it's all going to happen in the regional district. So there has to be like really good lines of communication and bridges built so that the region as a whole is working together to, to confront these issues. Right. And so we also, one of the things this council did is finalize and got the building or the construction of the third water line to Fellas Creek. So now we have three points of entry for water into our city, which is very critical in terms of in case wildfire damages one or two of our water inlets, we at least have a third and also how much we can fight fires, structure fires. Uh, we also finalized and installed a water intake at the lake, which can actually feed water into the lower part of 
the city. Mm-hmm. So we have many more areas now where water can get into the city. But yeah, so that's, this work is ongoing. This is going to be literally decades of work. And I want to be part of that. Now, there are also many other issues. There's housing, there's food security, there's social justice issues, all of which are vital and important. But I think for me as a candidate, and it was in 2018, and it's in same in 2022, is climate change is going to be... The climate didn't become better uh, in the four years. <laughs> no. no, it's going to be worse. And I think that's the message I want to get to people is it's, there's no way we're going backwards. It's not going to be like it was in the 90s or the early 2000s. We are heading into a new climate regime and we need to get ready as a community for that. So that's work I want to do. And there's many layers of that to do what that means. Because getting ready for climate change also includes social justice issues and housing issues, food yeah. security issues. And I also really am going in this time around with the idea of, of working on a regional level. Because I fully recognize now that it's incredible what Nelson's doing. And we are way ahead of the ball in many areas. But that we're just a small, that's a small little area compared to our region that we exist in. So the regional connectivity and organization is going to be critical moving into the next five or 10 years as climate change becomes more and more extreme. So that's yeah. basically a long answer. That's why I want run. to run again. Okay, thank you. And I want to ask you a question because I hear from people uh, that, so we have two different, uh, maybe more, but let's say two layers of uh, societies like the high income, people with houses, homeowners, and the low mm-hmm. income. And people say that Nelson Next uh, is designed for the first one. So I, I wonder if you can talk about that. How do you see that and how this climate plan maybe support uh, low-income people? And... I wouldn't agree with that. I think the, it's not low-income or high-income. Nelson Next is a response to what all cities need to do is we all have to have a climate action plan. And with, it, it is... Climate, is going to, climate change is going to be uncomfortable for everyone. It doesn't matter if you, yes, it may be more uncomfortable for people on the lower income spectrum, but we're all going to be affected by it. And wildfire doesn't care if you're rich or poor. Neither does flooding, neither does, these are issues that affect us all. Yeah. So I look at the Nelson Next plan as it's a roadway or it's a pathway for the city to do its business and look through that lens of climate at every decision it makes. And we're going to have to make tough decisions as a community, like every other community. There's going to be give and take. But the fact of the matter is this is happening. And I feel like I really want to try to stop talking about this stuff in political aspects because it Mm -hmm. doesn't really matter what you believe in. Climate change is going to impact us all. Yeah. So I don't think it's a left or right issue. It definitely, there is a social justice component because people who are of low income have less ability to, let's say, on the most basic level, have a car and a grab and go kit to get out of town if the wildfire is moving in quickly. That's a problem. But that's an organizational problem that they can be planned and mitigated for by having 
on the books, like how are we going to move people who don't have cars? So I think these are all like, these are very specific details, but what I find really important with the Nelson Next is that we actually have a comprehensive climate action plan. And it's now, we actually have, and we have a five-person climate team, which is weaving it into all the policy layers of the city. Amazing. And just, yeah, just so you know, we have a, the Minister of the Environment, Minister Heyman came mm-hmm. and was toured around the city and was shown what we were doing. And he said, we have a larger climate team than Vancouver. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> so we are really moving on that. And that is primarily because this council really pushed hard to get that uh, cemented and moving along. That's funny, the two words, cemented and moving along. <laughs> we really wanted to get it integrated. And then what often happens with these big reports is they uh-huh. can be shelved, or they can be developed and then not integrated. So not we may want to make yeah. sure that we developed. Mm-hmm. And then we also got the team to integrate it into all of city policy. And that's happening. But, and but the part team of is the councillor member or the team is uh, the staff? No, the, the, the team is, it's basically an off-branch of the EcoSafe program. So the EcoSafe program is continuing to run, but it's essentially part of that now. It's expanded. And so we have different people working on different sections. It's working on the waste management piece. Other people are working on taking the Nelson Next document and integrating it into the policy frameworks. Yeah. That, and, and that team is now um, five people working on full-time jobs doing that for our city. So I'm pretty proud of that. I feel like that's a huge leap from where we were. Yeah. What about food security? What can the city do about that? And what's the strategy for that? Okay, again, food security is, you can look at it from like a Nelson perspective, but really it's a regional provincial perspective. Mm-hmm. We are at the tail, we're, we're the tail end of food security because we're citizens and we wait for those trucks to come in every day. So 95% of our food comes in on truck every day. And as we saw through the pandemic, that's a weak link, is it not? If those trucks don't make it, those store shelves are empty. And we all saw that. Yeah. I think that was a quite a shocking experience for not just Nelsonites, but people everywhere during the pandemic. And in the floods time when roads collapsed. And the floods. I mean, Abbotsford and all that area. So I think, When I think of food security, I think of much more of a regional system so that Nelson's part of a regional system. Now we have some good growing areas. We have Nelson, sorry, we have Creston and we have Silicon Valley. And these are two, Creston is a, a very advanced food producing area. It's actually got its own food hub now. And they're actually working fairly hard in there about developing better food security. But we would have to develop a regional system where food that is grown regionally is then transported to food hubs around this area where the citizens could access it. So that if we were cut off, like we saw with the floods in Abbotsford, we would ha- at least have some kind of backup. When I talk to farmers, local farmers, they make it very clear to me the scale we're talking about here is on a totally different level. Like we would have to bring up the scale of production, transportation, and processing in our area to a whole level that it's, we're not even close. We're not even near that mark. So this is a giant 
issue I would also like to try to start tackling because right now we are very vulnerable. There's no doubt about it. We're very vulnerable. If those trucks don't make it in, we're in trouble as, yeah. as we all saw. And I think with Nelson and with a lot of towns in this area too, we have three roads coming in, three roads out. And as we've seen, those can be highly affected by climate change. We are vulnerable. We're vulnerable to that. We're vulnerable to wildfire for sure. And we're somewhat vulnerable to flooding, but really where it's wildfire and food insecurity is a major issue for Nelson. Please share this podcast on social media and messaging apps. This selection will influence how much taxes we pay and what they're used for. It will determine how we deal with the housing crisis, environmental emergencies, and support lower-income families. The link is nelson2022.ca. Please share it now and come back for the rest of the conversation. Okay, maybe another question. The pandemic was tough for the community. How did you experience that personally and as a politician? And what's your, some of the conclusions from that tough time? It was a very interesting time to be at City Hall. I think one thing that people maybe didn't understand at the time is we were completely in lock and step with Interior Health and the Provincial Health Department. Some people wanted us to do our own thing. That was not going to happen. We, everyone had to be on the same page, doing the same thing to control the virus. And I found it quite challenging that our community was splintered yeah. by that. It was hard to take because I felt like what we really needed was a community response to protect our own community. And when people decided to splinter off into different ways of doing things, it reduced our ability to act as one. We're all getting vaccinated so that we're all protecting each other and ourselves and our families and friends. But there was a lot of people were really dedicated to what they were seeing online and what they were seeing on their phones. And I think they were going with that rather than looking around the community and saying, I got to protect my neighbors and my friends and family. So I found that really challenging. And I think the proof is in the pudding. There was a, a massive push by the federal, provincial and municipal governments to get people vaccinated so that we could get to where we are now. COVID is much more under control and a very low infection rate, but that is because people went and got vaccinated. Yeah, it was a really challenging time. And we were, City Hall was often pigeonholed and yelled at, and there was a lot of demonstrations out front. And that was hard to take because all we were doing there as a city and as a city employee and council was just trying to keep our community safe and keep it going under very hard conditions. And in the city hall, you were all aligned with what needed to be done? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it was, you go with what the health experts were saying. We okay. were not epidemiologists. We're not doctors. We don't understand that kind of level of medicine. But the people who were telling us from provincial, federal, provincial levels was, please do this and we're going to be okay, but we have to work together all together in one go. Yeah, it was, it was a hard time, but Nelson came out of it in a really good place. We did the work. We stayed on track. People got vaccinated. We had zero tax increases for two years so that people could get their footings. Yeah. We can have festivals. We can shop. We can see each other. So I, I feel very proud of our community that we did that. It was hard that there were people who wanted to not participate in that, but that was their choice. It was just it was challenging. 
Yeah. For them, I guess, too, right? For the people that didn't want to participate, it was, it, it was hard. Even. Yeah, obviously, yeah. It was challenging for them. I think the hard part was there was a lot of information that was being put out at that time, and it was it had different sources. Yeah. It was confusing, but at the same time, I kept thinking to myself, why aren't people thinking about community as a whole? It was like... To me, it was about what do we have to do to get out of this as a community, as a whole community. Thank you. Is there something that you never thought about yourself that you would be, something that you would do after you became a politician? Yeah, it's maturing into a leadership role. I have been in leadership roles for a decade now, including being a city councilor, but I feel like I'm really maturing into that role. It takes a long time because mm-hmm. it's very public. People demand a lot. The citizens want answers and they want to run city. So I think what surprised me is I came in, I think, quite left of center. And I watched myself realize that a lot of answers actually happen in the center, not left or right, but finding the best solution, which is often the more of a centrally located solution. Interesting, um, yeah. Because if you're far right or far left, you really alienate a lot of people. And you lose the ability to actually move programs forward. So if you're really making decisions on the far left or the far right, or even the left or right, you're, you're going to alienate people who aren't going to be on board. They're going to be like, oh, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to do that. I don't believe in that. But if you make, if you take the actions from the center space and you try to accommodate, if so I was saying to somebody the other day, I always, I started really thinking about how large is my tent or my umbrella? How many people am I with this vote, this decision? How many people can I actually fit under that tent? And I always try to get the largest tent, largest umbrella so that the most people were serviced and helped. Sometimes that people were like, you should have made a decision that's more, more left or more right. But I always feel what I'm trying to do is make the best for the whole community. And so that was, that's been a really interesting journey. More inclusive and finding common grounds and. Yes, because councils are made up of people of all different kinds of stripes. They've come into council with a certain opinion and certain ways of thinking about things. And no one is right or wrong. It's just a different way of looking at it. And so then you got to mix that all together. I call it making a good soup. That's like everyone adds their ingredient. And hopefully at the end of the day, you make a good soup and you make a good policy. It's inclusive and it helps the most people. Yeah. I know that for lots of people that maybe not satisfying, they want really radical action. But what I've found is when you do radical actions, you lose political capital. So you gain it in certain areas, but you lose it in other areas. And so the next decision you want to make can be that much more difficult. Can you talk more about, I talk that? about that? Yeah. Sure. So I talk about that on the council level with the council, other councilors and mayor you're working with and the community level. So if you're taking, if you're always taking radical action at the council level, you're going to lose support with your other councilors. And so mm-hmm. your ability to move forward policy will become less and less because people, other councilors and the mayor will be like, that person's always voting in the radical. 
and in the community, it's the same. So I would say often it's really the action is in that center point where you're going to maybe a little center right, a little center left. But what you're really trying to do is get the most people covered under that tent and then moving forward. So that's been an interesting, surprising journey for me. Yeah. So what about the urgency of climate? So if things are urgent and need sometimes mm-hmm. radical change, uh, but it doesn't get the support, is it not something you can find that's support right. in a different way or you have to have a consensus? So, so I think that's a, it's a great question because climate change is like a totally dire emergency, top to bottom. But if you move too quickly, you're going to lose people. People are going to not want to take part in that process. And you're saying that like a fact. Yeah, because let's just say a council got voted in that was like all about climate change and everything is going to be about that. And we're just going to be working on this. And they were like, they were like, I don't know, there was six councillors and they were fired up and they were going in that direction. You know, maybe a lot would be accomplished, but would the community be on board? And what would happen at the next election cycle when a bunch of people will try to run to get on council to reverse the course? Mm-hmm. So you two steps forward, one step back. So I think something I learned is really about getting people to buy in, to be part of the process, to be part of the change. You have to find a common ground in that process. So there's often that idea that you can, you either try to deliver a policy that, or you force a policy on people. People do not like, as we saw in the pandemic, to be forced to do things, although sometimes it's needed. We all have to wear seatbelts. We all have to obey traffic lights. There are, we have to wear helmets. There's lots of things we have to do by force. It's my government decree, but that's for the safety of the whole, for yourself and the whole community. And I feel like we can do amazing things and climate respond, but it doesn't have to isolate people and make people feel like they're not included. Thank you for listening. My name is Yael Feiner, and this was Jesse Woodward. Next, we're going to talk with Kate Tate, who is running for office for the first time. Somebody asked me, why are you, why are you going to so much effort and meeting all the people? You're so busy right now. You have your job. You have your family. You have this campaign. Why are you meeting the other candidates? And it's because I believe in relationships, because we have to be able to meet one another and know one another and listen to one another and understand Uh, partially at least, where the other person's coming from and what motivates them. And that way we can have productive discourse. Please subscribe to this podcast and listen to the other candidates so you can vote for the people who represent you best. See you next time.